Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, guys. Welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. This is Rob Pitts. Hot Rod! What's going on, dude? Dude. You know, we're talking about them fabulous Fords running around SEMA. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, so we're, as we're walking know, through the Ford booth. Let me, let, me, uh, let me stop right here. Um, as a previous uh, SEMA goer, as a... Three time, three time, three time, SEMA goer. Three time, three time, three time, SEMA goer. Um, Ford has a fabulous booth. Ford probably has the and most I expensive booth, hands down. Yeah, and, and I'm not a Ford guy whatsoever. I mean, there's some I like. I was actually looking at Fox Bike Mustang again today. I'll tell you more about that later. Oh Lord, I know it. Yeah. I'd rather you come in with a drug problem than a Fox Body Mustang. Well, it is Terminator swapped with a supercharger. Even then. I'd rather you come so, in here with a needle hanging out of your arm than a Fox Body Mustang. Well, if I get this, I might have a needle hanging out of my arm. Because I'm going to tell you something. I mean, like, we if you have a needle hanging out of your arm, we can send you to rehab. You right. get that Fox Body Mustang, you're lost. I, you know what? I'm kind of I'm kind of digging this thing, but that's that's a story. Morgan Freeman can't even help you with a Fox Body Mustang. <laughs> I know this is that's another story for another time. But Ford's booth out at SEMA is second to none. It always is, and I'm sure it has been years before we even went to SEMA, and I'm sure it will be carrying on. It's outstanding. Well, they bring a lot of the old school GT40s in. Now, keep in mind these cars, even one with no provenance or any race history, is still a million million and a half car. Right. They have full race ones there. Right. These are two, three million cars a piece. And there's four or five of those sitting around. I mean, they they, they come out with their A-game on that stuff. Something else cool with the new F-150s, they're pushing the towing capacity and the towing power with the EcoBoost. Yeah. So now they have F-150s with matching Mustangs with all matching Forgiato wheels on all the way around on the truck, trailer, and car. Now, let me tell you something. They actually two of them running around. The old EcoBeast is a good motor. They're good. They have time and chain problems in these things. Yeah, they do. I I was skeptic about the EcoBeast, but I've kind of test-trialed one of them. It may have hit Greer Dragway. Well. But these things, I mean, they're pretty, for what they are, for a V6 and a full-size SUV or truck, they're pretty. But you know General Motors is putting four threes. Yes, in full size crew cabs, and they have been for a little while now. But I mean, they've been putting them in like regular regular cabs for a long time. But now I noticed that they're actually putting them in crew cab trucks, and they actually hold up pretty well. Now, don't, di- don't go hauling your horse trailer with it no. or your race car every weekend. But no. other than that, but for that know. guy that needs a pickup truck to run back and forth to Lowe's, throw in, a load of mulch in every once in a while, and you're driving, you know what I'm saying? You're driving it to work like a daily. It's more than enough. It's a great truck. Yeah, it really is. But. We're not here to talk about, you know, smart buys and economy-friendly purchases. No, we're we're hot rods and happy hour. Let's talk horsepower. What the Dodge Boys bring? Man, the Dodge Boys. The Mopar booth is always a great booth. You know what? Again, (sighs) not the biggest Mopar fan in the world. I've owned one. But Mopar brings the power. They even said that that was their campaign for last year's SEMA show. We're bringing the muscle, and they did. And well, I, I expect no less this year. You know, when Mopar came back out with the Hemi, you know, which is a marketing 
genius move. Right. The, uh, you know, of course, that. And then the Jeep thing. Now they're even doing the throwback Jeeps. They're coming back out with a Willie-style Jeep. So to look at it from the outside, it looks like a civilian, an early 50s civilian Jeep. Or late 50s civilian Jeep. What's the Jeep pickup truck? The, uh, uh... Comanche. Scrambler. Scrambler, yeah. We talked like the about, Wrangler truck. Yeah. We talked about that several weeks ago, how they're bringing it back, the Scrambler. Right. Talking about around the year 2020, they're going to be bringing it back. What's funny is I seen an 80s Scrambler the other day, which you just don't see them. No. And, but they had this Willie style. I mean, like the body itself looked like a Willie's Jeep. Right. The only thing that gave it away is it's got like the new LED headlights in it, and it's got like LED taillights in it. But other than that, the body looks like a Willie's Jeepster. But the thing that's cool is it has all new interior, like the new Wranglers have. Right. So it's got the creature comforts in it, but it's got that old style. It even has steel wheels. It has 20-inch steel wheels on it. Well, With, yeah. I mean, that's just a really cool retro throwback. Oh, yeah. And Jeep, you know, Jeep is one manufacturer that has always kind of stayed true to what they are. Even though they've got modern creature comforts and all that, a Jeep is still a Jeep. It is. I mean, you still walk up to a Jeep and yank the doors off. Well, I mean, this is the thing with a Jeep. Either you like them or you hate them. Oh, yeah. There's no in-between with a Jeep. And, you know, I haven't met very many people that just said, you know, I wouldn't own a Jeep. You know what? I've had two, and I will tell you this. I will never own another one. I'm not a Jeep man. I'm just not. I tried. I had two of them. And, And, I mean, there's nothing particularly wrong with them. I'm just not a Jeep person. Right. And, you know, they're not the most, uh, what do you call Smart vehicle to own. They're really not good at anything. No. I mean, you know what? If you're like trail riding or something, yeah, they're... I'm yeah, sure. well, I mean, but they're, they're like, oh, man, you do some suspension mods to it and you do this. Yeah, if you do that to anything, it would be great out in the woods. Right. I mean, they're really out of the box. They don't do anything well. Yeah. Even, you know, even the new Jeeps, the four-doors, those are the ones I don't like. Yeah. I think they look cool. They look good, and you can mod them, and they look great. But to me, I mean, it's not a full-size SUV. It's It don't really do much, which is another thing they talked about doing with the Scramblers, actually making it a full-size. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. But, well, I mean, you got a short wheelbase. They're tall. They're They're not good for towing. Yeah, I mean, what, what can you really do with it other than drive around? Drop the top and ride around. Yeah, be a Jeep owner. Yeah, be a Jeep guy. Uh, it's a Jeep thing. You won't understand. Yeah, I do understand. I want something way cooler that I can do more with. That's what I understand. And I mean, you know, teach their own. Right. But back on the Mopar thing, of course, you know, Mopar's always doing the throwback stuff. And of course, they had, you know, uh, Mark Warman from Graveyard Cars. He's walking around being Mark Warman. Yeah. Um, and it's so funny. And of course, you had Tommy Pike actually did a build for Mopar this year in Pennzoil. He did the uh, that Dodge truck. I think it's like a 38 Dodge truck. And they put the 6.4 Hemi in it. Nice. Good-looking truck. Petty blue, red leather guts, bomber seats, red steel wheels, dog dish caps. Gorgeous. And for those who don't know, we've talked about Tommy Pike before. He's right over here on Rutherford Road. Yeah, he's, he's a local guy. And, yeah. I mean, and this is the thing that, that you know, I, I stress to people all the time. This is car country through here. Oh, yeah. I mean, like these custom builds, they don't all come out of California. No, no. There's a lot of great things. Another good example of that, and I know they were out there because I've seen the cars personally that they were taking out there, Detroit Speed. They're in our backyard, right up in Mooresville. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, these cars aren't all coming from the West Coast. No. We got some heavy hitters who are putting out beautiful cars. Right here. Right in, here. I mean, like in arm's reach. The, yeah, in arm's reach. You took the words right out of my mouth. Um, they're putting out fabulous cars. They are. I mean, they turn out. I mean, there's some great shops here. There's tons of great shops. That's the thing. The talent 
and the quality, we've had it. And you know something? I was looking through. There was a guy, a good friend, you know, a friend of mine, Timothy, who posted about 1,400 pictures on Facebook from SEMA because, you know, I didn't get to go. So I'm, I've been living vicariously through all you guys that went, which is, I think, everyone I'm friends with. Um, but I was looking through these pictures, and, man, some of the builds this year, it's just like, my God. They're, like, through the roof. I mean, just – I was sitting here looking through some of these – and of course, like everything's out there is wrapped, so I'm like, I'm mad because I ain't gonna sell these wrapped cars too. But it's just unbelievable the talent, the time, the money, the man hours that went into some of these beautiful builds out there. Mm-hmm. I'll uh, tell you another cool thing in the Mopar booth was Chris Jacobs' '69 GTX was there from overhauling. Yeah, uh, Chris Jacobs. <laughs> it was funny last year when you and I saw him; he was checking out that big Dodge truck, yeah. the big crew cab Dodge truck. He um. Chris is a cool guy and all that. Mark Warman built this car for him. It's a 69 GTX with a new Hemi power plant in it. Um, of course, it's got Foose wheels. Shocker. Um, <laughs> black and silver two-tone. Good-looking car. Never been the biggest, biggest, biggest Chrysler big-body car, but it's a cool car. Yeah, they're good cars. I mean, you know, the GTX is, is a great platform. I mean, the GTX is a cool platform. I mean, you know, you got to think about it. You know, back then, you know, yeah, the GTX, the Super B. I mean, they were all virtually the same car. It was just emblems and grills, the only difference. Yeah. I mean, I, that was what that was like the competition to basically your Malibu. That was the Chevelle. That oh, was okay. that was that was running with the Chevelle then. Yeah. So um, you know, I mean, that's and they all they all you know it's kind of funny they all kind of have that square body. Well, they got that shape going. Yeah, they all got that same shape going to great cars though. Oh yeah, I mean they're cool cars. I mean, of course, you know, Chrysler had a big torsion bar front suspension on those things and all that stuff. Um, you know, Dana rear ends and stuff. I mean, they, I mean, that was their muscle car. That was their version. I think that was Mopar's one gift to the hot riding community is the Dana 60 rear end. The Dana rear end, yeah. They, they were big with the Dana rear ends and things like that. I mean, of course, they went into the Jeeps. and then I mean, GM started using Dana rear ends. Matter of yeah. fact, the Corvette has a Dana, a Dana rear end under it. Yep. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. From 63 right. to, You're absolutely to, correct. to 96, it had a Dana rear end under it. Um, yeah. I mean, so. That's very cool. But, I mean, the Mopar camp had a lot of neat stuff. Of course, New challengers and new chargers for days. I tell you something else we got for days. It seems like these commercials just keep running up on us. <laughs> it's so terrible. Guys, stay tuned. We got plenty more SEMA bits to talk about right here on 1063 WRD. Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Stay tuned. All right, guys. Welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Hot Rod. What's happening, dude? Let me tell you about something else I saw at SEMA. Tell me something else you saw at SEMA. Some crazy looking people. Some crazy. <laughs> it's <laughs> like Walmart on steroids. Well, you know, you got to think about it. Las Vegas is a crazy Hang town. Hang on, is there a Walmart in Las Vegas? Actually, there is a Walmart right outside of Las Vegas. There's not one on the Strip. We need to go there. Oh, well, I'm sure at 3 o'clock in the morning, it's probably the most sane place in Las Vegas. Hey, you serve a valid point, yeah. They walk the streets there. The, yeah, they, they, they don't they don't hide in the Walmart. They yeah. they walk down Fremont Street. Yeah, yeah. And hang out at the Carl's Jr. But Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, a, that's a story for another time. Yeah, that, that, we can't really talk about that one on the air. But mm-hmm. it's, or what happened to you at the... Pepper Mill, Peppercorn yeah, Mill. Yeah. Well, we might can touch on that here in a second. I might can word it in a way that people would understand that would keep the FCC off of us, <laughs> kind of, and make Gray not have like a coronary. Yeah, but <laughs> the thing that's the thing that was funny though is you got to keep in mind you know, SEMA is the same time every year, and you know a lot of times Halloween falls during SEMA. Not like every time. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. thereabouts. You see the day before or maybe the first day of SEMA. So the thing that's crazy about it is, you know, so, I mean, you know, Las Vegas is a crazy town, but now you have Halloween in Las Vegas. 
So yes. now you have crazy with a mask on. Let me tell you something. If you've, well, first of all, if you've never been to Vegas, go. But go ahead and plan to go around Halloween. There is no cooler place. There is no spook house around here. Nothing. There's not a haunted house like Fremont Street. Yeah, Fremont Street on Halloween. And it's just real life. Yeah, it's just like normal. It's great. All right, there's there's a restaurant in Vegas that we always hit up every time we go. It's called the Pepper Mill. It's like a big diner. Yeah, it's like like Denny's on crack and the plates are huge. Huge. They got an omelet that's like... It's probably the most inexpensive place to eat at in Las Vegas. Probably. Like, everyone goes there. And it's just a popular hot spot. Actually, the movie Casino was filmed in there. Yeah, it looks like the interior of a 70s lowrider. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything is like pink and blue with neon lights on it. There's not a square table in the whole place. Every table's round. It's a booth. Um, I was actually... We were actually eating there... Monday, it was Monday night. Yeah, it was Monday night. And uh, it was so funny because we're sitting in a booth, and Gene Whitfield, 91-year-old Gene Whitfield, with his, I mean, this dude looks like the picture of health. Yes. And, like, I'm sitting here talking to Gene Whitfield. I'm like, Gene, what you up to? You know, and he ain't all Hollywood. Gene said, well, I was chopping the top on a Pontiac before I got on the plane to come here. And he probably really was chopping the top on a Pontiac. I mean, this dude's like real old school customizer. Oh, yeah. He's famous for the Winfield fade, the faded paint jobs. Exactly. I mean, this dude was like huffing lacquer paint before they even knew it was bad. It's funny. I kind of met him the same way, not the pepper mill, but uh, last year for the unofficial SEMA kickoff party, I was standing down on right off Fremont Street, and he comes rolling up in a brand new Mustang, just pulled in. Yeah. Guy's Winfield chop shop shirt on or whatever. Yeah. And just get out. No one knows who he is. But Gene Winfield, I mean, the thing that's crazy about Gene Winfield, Winfield Customs, of course, out of California. But the thing that's crazy about it is, is other than him dyeing his hair, Clairol 666, he is like untouched. You yeah. know what I'm saying? He's not doctored up like all these rest of these guys. And this guy's the real deal. I mean, this man's a customizer from way back, he's a legend. Oh, yeah. And he's outlived them all. Yeah, oh, yeah. He is absolutely. And gets around good. I mean, he's like by himself. I mean, he's just hanging out at the pepper mill, you know? I mean, super cool guy. Always great for pictures and super, super cool guy. Um, I'll tell you another cool guy out there. Gail Banks. Oh, yeah. That was that right there was cool. I got goosebumps meeting Gail Banks. Godfather of diesel performance. He is. I mean, he's just the godfather of turbos in general. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, this guy is, there's so many good things about Gail Banks, and we're actually going to have him on the air in here in the future episode. And th- this guy is so interesting. I've talked to Gail Banks for about 20 minutes, you know, which in SEMA time, that's like two hours. Oh, yeah. Because you got to keep in mind, you got 160,000 people walking around this building. Gail, Gail is legendary. I mean, I, that was I used to follow his stuff back in the early days of Power Block TV, back when he was doing some stuff for SoCal Speed Shop. Well, yeah, think about when he was in Bonneville Salt Flats. He had the first 200-mile-an-hour diesel. Yeah, and the, the, what, Dakota? It was a Dakota yeah. with a 5.9 Cummins in it. Yeah. He actually was working on common rail fuel systems two years before they even came to market. Yeah. I mean, this guy is an innovator of, of, of diesel performance and just turbocharging in general. And the thing about it is, it's so funny. Your turbo is the new go word. Everything's turbo. Turbo, turbo, turbo. It's all you hear. And this is the craziest thing. You got every one of these, and I sound like my old man. You got every one of these kids walk by, and Gail Banks is standing there. And they have no idea. That's Elvis for me. Yeah. They have no idea who he is. I mean, I just walked up, and I'm like, huh? <laughs> and these kids are like, yeah, man, turbo performance, turbo, turbo, turbo. And walk past Gail Banks. Yeah, the, the originator. I mean, he. I mean, he didn't invent the damn turbo, but he made. He put it on the map. Yes, yes. And 
I mean, this guy's awesome. And a plethora of diesel knowledge. Yeah, and I'm sure it's awesome from you coming from a diesel mechanic background to meet someone like that. Exactly. But this guy, I mean, he just – so much you see today is because of him. He paved the way for diesel performance. You know, all the diesel brothers and, you know – Diesel brothers would be nobody without Gail Banks. Banks. And see, this is the thing that kills me about these guys. You know, all these F-250s, oh, yeah, I got an F-250 with a 6-liter diesel. It's making 19,000 horsepower. Do you know what? Without Gail Banks, there wouldn't be any of these. The thought chips of that wouldn't even have been there. It wouldn't even be there. Yeah, because if you bought a diesel, it's because you need to pull a horse trailer, or pull a or, car trailer, or a bobcat. Yeah, or you need to do work. It wasn't because you were building a performance machine. It wasn't until Gail, Gail Banks stepped up with Banks Performance. Well, you got to think about when Gail Banks was selling turbo systems for these trucks. I mean, there was like one other turbo company in the whole world, or yeah. in the whole U.S. that was selling turbos. ATS and Gail Banks. That yep. was it. You're and right. now. I mean, and Banks is still around. I mean, and one of the big dogs still. But the thing that's crazy about it is all the you know the tuning and all the stuff they make for him and all this stuff. Gail Banks was doing this stuff twenty years ago, dude. I oh, mean, yeah. I mean, it's not a new thing for him, you know. Yeah, if you ever catch an old like, because back when they did the seven three and the Fords, which is probably, in my opinion, one of the best diesel engines they ever done. The seven three back power in the nineties. Yeah, the seven three Struckers were all right. Well, they made a, a version that was non turboed, and then later on they put a turbo. No, you're talking on. about an IDI. Yes. Um, yeah. they made they made a uh, they made a non-turboed version. Then later on, turboed it. But if you see, like even old sign truck that I used to work with had a Banks Performance Turbo stuck on it, right? It was because a, it, was it was a, a, a aftermarket. It was turbo. a non-turbo right. truck when they got it. I mean, and that's where this guy. I mean, and he come in and he killed it. I mean, like I said, when they came out with the Power Stroke Seven Three, which is virtually it's nothing like an IDI engine, no. but it was turbocharged, right? But from the factory. But, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, Gail Banks was putting bigger turbos on them and, and, you know, bigger intercoolers and high-performance parts on these trucks from the factory. I mean, this guy's just an innovator, and it blows my mind. These do, and the, and the, that you got these guys that are truck guys and have no idea who Gail Banks is. Yeah, the only way to get the power of a non-turboed IDI motor was to call Gail Banks. And, and get you a turbo Get you it. some power. Exactly. I mean, that was the only way it was done. And, and like you said, it, it does kind of kill me, you know, like Gene Winfield. People walk right past him and not even know yeah, I mean, what the, a legend this guy is. Well, I mean, it's like him and Gail both. I mean, they, they're, they're going to tell you something. If it wasn't for these guys, none of this would be here. Yeah. You know, people like him. It's like you said, you know, Gene Winfield, he's one of the last of, the, you know, last of the kings of custom, if you will. Exactly. He is. I mean, you know, we've lost George Barris. We've lost so many big names in customizing. And, I mean, the thing is, Gene Winfield, I mean, he's not going to be here forever, guys. And, I mean, I'm going to tell you something. You see Gene Winfield out, that man lives to take pictures with people. Absolutely. And to talk about the hobby with people. Absolutely. And, and, and it, This it, guy it, shares his knowledge. He does. I mean, he's not like he's some stuck-up guy. This dude is as real as they come. Yeah, you're not going – I promise you, you know, and – I don't have a problem with the man, but Richard Rawlings will not give you the same time of day that Gene, Gene Winfield, Winfield would. Day. And I'm going to tell you something. Gene Winfield's got more hot rod in the end of his pinky Oh yeah. than Richard Rawlings, Eric Hoffman stuck together. Yeah. Speaking of time of day, it's time for another commercial break. That's right, guys. Stay tuned. We're going to be talking about the NHRA next and Mr. Larry Dixon. Uh-oh. I'm telling you, never good. Stay tuned to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Right here on 106.3 WORD. All right, guys. Welcome to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Hot Rod! What's happening, dude? Man, I'm having a great time here. Are you? Now we're talking about NHRA and Larry Dixon. Let, let me uh, let me break this down. So three-time NHRA Top Fuel World Champion, Mr. Larry Dixon, has been suspended indefinitely from the NHRA. 
Meliel Drag Racing Series, and the Lucas Oil Series competition. It was announced this past week. The decision, according to the statement, centers around the unapproved two-seer top-field dragster that Dixon revealed at the SEMA show in Las Vegas, which you said was at the Traxxas booth? It was at the Traxxas. The Rail Patrol car booth. Right, right, right. So he, he unveiled this at SEMA. The promotional video and imagery depicted a unique Nitro X2 dragster running only at the Palm Beach International Raceway, an IHRA-sanctioned facility, suggesting there's more to the story than meets the eye. The NHRA statement reads, and I quote, The NHRA imposed an indefinite suspension of competition privileges against Larry Dixon for violating NHRA rules, particularly Section 1.3.1, Participant Conduct, and 1.6.3, Chassis Inspection of the 2017 NHRA Rulebook. NHRA Tech Department discovered the use of NHRA chassis tagged uh, tag on a unauthorized and unapproved two-seater dragster. Any further incidents can result in further action. Larry can appeal the decision per the 2017 NHRA rule book, which I'm sure Larry will. So, the gist of the story here is Larry took a chassis, modified it to make it a two-seater dragster. He took, he took one of his top fuel cars and he back-halved it and put another cage in it. Right. And basically you ride in tandem like like a fighter jet. Right. And you can go on a ride-along in a 280-mile-an-hour dragster. Well, not no more. No, actually, he can take it out anywhere he wants, as long as it's not an NHRA-sanctioned track. It's between him and the rest of the world. This is where he messed up. Yes. This is where him went wrong. He took that, he took that card, and he's already took people down the track in it and posted it on YouTube. And he did it at an NHRA-sanctioned track. The car was signed off by the chassis builder. Now, he should have went to NHRA and tried to get it approved, which they probably would have kicked it, and that's why he didn't do it. But what he man, should have man done— figured better to ask forgiveness than permission. Right. Well, he figured wrong there, though. But if he took that tr- that car to an IHRA track or, or an outlaw track or whatever, they would never say anything to him. They can't, they can't control what they don't own. All right, so here's where I have a problem with this. Tell him you can't run it no more? Okay, I'm down with that. I yeah. agree with that wholeheartedly. But a guy who's a legend to the sport, if you will, to ban him indefinitely for this, I think is a bit excessive. I think it's over the top. And you know, yes, it's an NHRA-sanctioned track. But no, the track doesn't belong to the NHRA. It belongs to an individual. Right. So, And that's another thing where I have a problem with this. You know, is someone going to tell Bruton Smith that I can't take my car around Charlotte Motor Speedway when Bruton Smith says I can? Could NASCAR come in and say, well, well, I'm sorry, but Mr. Pettit's 91 Caprice Wagon is not uh, NASCAR sanctioned. Uh, It don't meet NASCAR techs, so no, you can't do that. Well, um, this is the thing, Mr. Robert Pettit. You're you're completely and utterly banned from any NASCAR event ever again. Well, because Mr. Robert Pettit is not a licensed NASCAR driver. No, I'm with you. You're held to a little bit of different standards, but still, I think NHRA is just overreacting to this. They are overreacting, and I think they're being they're controlling. They yeah. they are bounding this down. This is the thing. Now, if Larry Dixon took that car on an NHRA track, the, in his defense, uh, this is a 280 mile an hour top fuel dragster. It's 221 inches long from wheel to wheel. This car cannot be run down an eighth-mile track, so it's got to go down a quarter-mile track. And the majority of quarter-mile tracks are going to be NHRA tracks. That's the catch. But, that being said, when he built this thing, he should have thought about that. Second thing with this, though, how about tandem Indy cars? 
Yeah. How about the monster trucks with six seats in the back? Yeah. It's the same idea. It happens all the time. I've seen two-seater. Do you see, do you see Monster Jam freaking out? I've nope. seen side-by-side two-seater dragsters go down Commerce before. Yeah, I've well, seen no, they're slower now. They're not running a 280 They are slower cars. But, I, I mean, I've seen these cars run down the track with two-seaters in them. So what he's done is not like it hasn't been done before. Now, does no. it have a bigger engine on it? No, it to the next power. level. Yeah. Much. But this is something that has been done before. And he's built this car for corporate gain. He's built this car to make money with it. And I don't blame him. What he's going to basically do, he wants to rent this thing out for like corporate events and basically, you know, X amount of dollars a ride yeah. riding on this car. And he's comparing it to skydiving. And I think it's an equal comparison. It is. And it's cool. And I think it would sell to, I mean, you got to keep in mind, it costs $1,000 a second. So you mean to tell me. To run a top fuel dragster. That, that Larry Dixon. If nothing breaks. Larry Dixon, and, and I don't know the man. I've never met him before in my life. I'm Actually, sure. he was at SEMA walking around. That's cool. Um, but I've never met the man. I don't know him. I'm sure he's a great guy. I really am. But he comes up with this genius idea to actually help spotlight a semi-dying sport, and they want to kick it to the curb. This is a lot of problem with NHRA. NHRA is on street outlaws again. NHRA is on Larry Dixon, and they're they're running people away from the sport with their rules. A lot like NASCAR. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, the more and, and more um, rules you introduce, the less and less interesting. They, it I mean, NHRA has picked up Brian Francis' rule book, yeah, playbook, and they're going straight at it. And this is the thing about it, you know. I mean, you got your characters like John Force. These guys are dying out, and there's nobody to replace. Now, them. Now, let me ask you this: If John Force said, "I got a genius idea," and he created this little monster, you know, and that's the thing, I think it would be a whole other animal. Would because they you be know banning why? John Force? Because if John Force left Funny Car, there wouldn't be no more Funny Car. Hell, he, he fields five cars. Yeah, they couldn't make the field if John Force wasn't there. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, if uh, if John Force or someone like that. Was this, or Tony Schumacher? What if he done it? Exactly. Are you telling me that they would ban Tony Schumacher? They do it before they do John Fors. <laughs> I'm with you there, but I'm saying, would they ban Tony Schumacher? I think they're stepping over the line here. I think they are. I think it's a little and, overbearing. And I think there might be an underlining story to this that we're not quite hearing as well. Well, this is my thing with it. Slap him on the hand, give him a little fine, say, don't run it on the NHRA track, park it. Yeah, my, my thing is, like, find him, whatever it takes there. Hey, bud, you're going to miss the first two races next year or something like that. You know. Like staying in the corner yeah, or something. Yeah, staying in the corner, you know, all right. Where the dunce at. You know, go talk to Bill France for a minute and get a whipping from him. I don't know. But punish him somehow. You know, take some of his several millions or a ring away from him. I don't know. Do something. And to tell him, hey, you just wasted money on a pretty cool thing. You know what I mean? You did. You, you wasted money on, on a semi-good idea. Yeah. Now, you can take that very car, though, and detune it just a notch. And it helps make miles. Cha-ching! <laughs> it helps make miles. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just I think the NHRA is playing Papa Bear a little too strongly. And, they are. And I think, you know, when someone comes up with an idea – I mean, he's not reinventing the wheel. He's making the wheel a little bit better. He's making it roll a little bit smoother. He's making more people interested in how it rolls. He makes it a little longer. Yeah. <laughs> he makes it roll a little bit longer. Puts another seat in it. But I, I think when somebody steps up and do, does that, you don't shoot him down. Well, this is my thing. Because I guarantee you the next guy who said, well, I had a great idea for NHRA, but now he's probably a little gun shy. This is the one thing where I will stand on NHRA's side. Let's say... Lord forbid, 
something was to happen with that car. It's split in half. It raised up. And it happens. The wind catches those things wrong. They'll go end over end. If somebody gets killed in that car, Larry Dixon or the guy that's riding, that right there, that's going to put a really bad taste in people's mouth. I don't care if it's a two-seater top fuel or if it's an exhibition run, that's bad for business. I agree. And I understand that. I agree with you there, but do you not think with the added weight and the added wheelbase, it's going to be a little bit harder to pick that car up? Not at all. You if anything, so? it might make it worse. I, I don't know how aerodynamics work in one of these. I think it would make it a little worse. And the car's no longer. They just shortened it up by putting another seat in it. I got you. But uh, the, that's the thing with these things. I mean, there's so many ways you can take If it was a detuned version, I don't see no problem with it. You know? Do you need to be running a 1700 horse? I mean, keep in mind. Like, okay, how about the Richard Petty experience? Right. Same idea, but NASCAR. Exact same idea. But this is the problem, though. Those cars don't go 200 miles an hour. No, not at all. They're detuned stock cars. They're not even Bush Grand National or whatever it is now cars. This is the thing. I mean, they got glorified crate motors in them. Yeah. But the thing you got to think about, this car, idling makes twice as much horsepower as a stock car. Oh, yeah. A real one. Oh, yeah. Idling. No, but you're also not putting an inexperienced guy behind the wheel of it. You do have a three-time world champion. That's driving this thing. Yeah. I mean, you get a Richard Petty experience, guess what? We're handing anybody the keys to this bad boy. Hey, how many times John Force won it? 16 times. Yeah. You know how many times he's wrecked? <laughs> About 120. 1,600 times. <laughs> exactly. You know how many times he's put that thing up in flames? I'm oh, just, yeah. It happens. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a dangerous sport. It is. And, and I think, you know, just like going It's to, not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Yeah. And, but I think... You know, I think the same rules will apply, just like going to an event. You know, a turbo, and they do everything to strap them down, a uh, supercharger, rather. They do everything to strap them down, keep them doing it, but they blow off. What if that hits a fan? Yeah. You're dealing with the same thing. I mean, it, there is an inevitable that's bound to happen. I just, I, I, I don't know. Well, I, speaking of that, you know, a, a really kind of odd side story. Actually, at the Atlanta Dragway, you know, Richard Petty actually killed a fan in a drag car. There you go. I mean, it happens. Speaking of killing, we got to kill the show for a commercial break. All right, guys, stay tuned. We got a lot more here on the NHRA, Mr. Larry Dixon Suspicion, right here on Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Uh, 1063 WORD. All right, guys, we're going to make the Hot Rods and hold Happy up, Hour. Hold up, hold up, hold up. You done it to me last week. I want to do it. All right. I want to do the intro. You got it. All right. Welcome to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. This is Hot Rod, and to my left is the beautiful, spiky haired, blue eyed. Rob Pitts, how are you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Feeling great to be here. Great to be here. Great, great to, be, to be here. Great, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's nice to see you back in the studio. You know, you we're talking about Larry Dixon, and we've seen this car. This car is a SEMA, you know. I mean, it's a great built car. I mean, it's built just like any other top fuel tracks in the world. You know, it looks like it's built out of pixie sticks. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it was actually at the Traxxas booth, because basically this thing's just a big toy, too, now. So, <laughs> But it was at the Traxxas booth. And, I mean, it's a good-looking car. And, I mean, it's in theory, like I said, if this car was detuned, I don't see a problem with it. I see this being an excellent exhibition run deal or, like, these big corporate parties, like these big companies like 3M and stuff like that. If they want to take and put their big execs in this thing and let Larry ride them around in it, I think that's fine. Oh, yeah. Do they need to be running 280 mile an hour? No. Nah. Yeah, why not? You know, good times. Sure, why good, not? Good you times. Know? Yeah, we're, hey, we're all just trying to have a good time here. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, speaking of good times, <laughs> while we're in Vegas, there's something else I won't talk about while I got a minute. This is hilarious. I seen Richard Petty. Okay. 
That man has not aged since 1994. No, he, he, looks, he looks exactly the same. He looks like the. Dead. And I'm not talking like Kenny Rogers plastic. No, new. no. This man is just found the fountain of youth. I think it's hair dye, and that's it. I don't even think he does that. I mean, I re- I've come to the conclusion that Richard Petty is the damn Highlander. I mean, I know it. You know what? It He's sense. 1,300 years old. That makes sense. Well, speaking speaking of being old. I'll tell you somebody that's been old that hasn't aged well and broke my heart. <laughs> Linda Vaughn. Ah, yeah. Riding on her jazzy. Do you know how old Linda Vaughn is? By I do Would you know. like to take a stab at it? I'd say she's getting up there 80s or so. 74. Okay, so she's quite, old enough to be my my dad's not, mama. Not quite, not quite eighty. Seventy four is pretty old. That's pretty. That's, that's getting up there. It, it earns you the right to roll around on jazzy. I'm gonna tell you something. Now, Miss Hurst, Linda Vaughn herself, and I mean, like, I'm, it's still an honor to meet her. But I mean, it's crazy. She's seventy four years old. Yeah, I mean, and that hair still blonde like no other. <laughs> Gives me hope. Well, speaking of being old and. Starting to wear out and tired. You're looking a little tired there. I, I want to tell you something. These after parties are seeming. You got one every that's night. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking some after parties then got to. Yeah, we done bounced around quite a bit, you know, it seemed this year. The thing was kind of fun. Of course, you know, the first night, it was Halloween, Monday night, setup right. night, you know, Fremont Street. I actually saw a dude dressed up as Snow White, and I'm pretty sure that wasn't the first time he's had a dress on. I'm just throwing that out there. The dude dressed uh, as Snow White. That's not something you want to run to. Yeah, I didn't even look for the dwarfs, you know? <laughs> I was scared to look. Um, so we were hanging out on Fremont Street, and uh, it was they got a live band. Of course, it's the world's largest screen, you know, up above it, and right. it's really neat. Um, Tuesday night, we actually were back out. Actually, it was the Hard Rock kickoff party. Right. That was a lot of fun. I mean, that's kind of like the go-to. It's like the unofficial little kickoff thing they do, and everybody ends up there. Because there's always like a private party somewhere, but everybody ends up at the Hard Rock, at the Circle Bar. And that was a lot of fun. We got to meet a lot, of, you know, meet a lot of the people that we've seen all day long. But, you know, it was, it was fun and all that. The DJ was off the chain. That was the best part of the night. DJ doesn't work? Yeah, the, the DJ was, the DJ was, that was a nice lady. <laughs> she was, she was, a, she was a nice guy. Was she gifted? She was, you know what? She has lots and great lo- personality. She has lots of personality. Right. I lots get of personality. Right. Lots of personality. She could be, she could be Miss Pitts number three. I'm just throwing that out there. Nothing wrong with that. Any day. And she evidently likes good music. And and you know what? Dern, she I put a dollar in her tip jar. <laughs> so anyway, so like I said, we went to the Hard Rock, and we were out there for a few hours. And of course, the Hard Rock Hotel Casino is a gorgeous place anyway. And then the next night, we had the rap party. Mm-hmm. That was fun. You know, all the new rap colors that came out. You got um, to see my boy Chris Bull? That's right, Chris Bull. rap a bull rap a bull I wonder if his kid starts a company would be called Rap a Calf, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Like it's a, uh, it, it was really neat seeing all these new colors out from Avery Dennison and 3M and stuff like that. I mean, lots of new products. It is exciting. Raps are really the future of any of, of the refinishing and all that stuff. Uh, uh, I really was actually, cool. it was funny. I was actually talking to Chris leading up to the rap party. And they were talking about in one day out there, they wrapped eight cars. That's insane. And I'm not talking about like eight normal cars. I'm talking about Aston Martins, Ferraris. Lamborghinis. Yeah, high-end stuff. Oh, yeah. And I mean, they got, of course, they debuted the new colors and, and all that yeah. stuff. And uh, so that was always a really fun, really fun party to go to. And like I said, we'll get to hang out with Chris Bull, so that's always fun. And now you can hit me up on Facebook for the new colors. That's right. <laughs> so then... You know, we go from there, and of course, you got Counts Customs on Thursday night. Yeah. Counts Customs always a banging party. You know, he's always playing with his band. Um, you know, uh, Danny Coker. You know, that's the thing. Like he don't he don't go out and greet people. Danny Coker's up on stage 
Yeah. Playing. I mean, that's what he does. I mean, he's just doing his thing. Um, of course, all the guys, you know, Horny Mike, everybody's walking around. Lonnie Spear, everybody, you know, having a good time. Roley ain't walking around, though. He got the axe. Yeah, and that's something, you know what? And, that, that, and it's so funny. That's I think I think we should stop and talk about that. I, that's good. I forgot well, all about that. Well, this is that. the thing that's funny. Roley, which is the detailer, right. accounts customs. He's been there for 12 years. 12 years, yeah. And I've got a lot of friends in the automotive television industry. I've mm-hmm. got a lot of friends. I've been there, been in it, been around it. I got a lot of friends in it, and I heard through the old rumor mill that uh, you know Discovery said you know we need we need a little we need a little more turmoil. We yes. ain't got quite enough. We need a little drama. And what does Discovery mean when they say they need more drama? Fire somebody. Exactly. That's what they want you to do. That's their answer for that. Now, this, and they fire Rolly. This little piece of information has brought back to a theory that you and I had. You remember back months ago. Uh, early this year when uh, Aaron Kaufman left Gas Monkey Garage. Exactly. What was our little theory that you and I had worked up? That the, oh, this is a Discovery Channel ploy. Uh, you know, he's going to start a new show. They need a little drama to kick back up ratings. And guess what? It worked. Ratings shot through the roof on Richard. Uh, you know, on Richard's show, uh, Fast and Loud. And you know what? The show has been there long enough. It proved it could stand without Aaron Kaufman, and the show is doing just fine without him. And what do but, you know? Aaron Kaufman's got a new show coming out. And what out. do you know? I, I, you know, we talked about this. This is from the get-go. Yes, exactly. And I mean, it's no, I mean, it's no secret. I mean, this is this is you know just made up reality. It really is. And and and. and the thing that bothers me is when re, when this made up reality starts actually taking and making reality yeah and that's when it bothers me and now granted we've only heard one side of this story you know and all that but but anyway Rolly was let go he's been there for 12 years i mean this is way before daddy cat's been on the show since 2000 it's been on tv since 2012 yeah but i mean we're talking about a man that's worth 10 million dollars i mean he's doing well and you know daddy coker's a cool guy he's a car guy from way back oh yeah but you fire some after 12 years I mean, it's got to be something pretty good you know, honestly, I, I think at the end of the day, I would probably, I, I don't know, my integrity is a little bit stronger than that. I'd probably tell Discovery to go blank themselves. And, and I don't know if that, I mean, I can't deem, I can deem that as reliable. I can't deem it as, you know, the truth. The truth, yeah. But, you know, I heard it from three very reputable sources that that happened. Um, the way he got fired is also a lot of times how it usually does happen. You know, Danny Coker or Kevin or any of these guys that run the shop didn't say anything to him. He was actually told by some office people that he's no longer needed there and was escorted off the property. Um, you know, a man that's been there for 12 years and you walk him out the front door with his stuff, that's shady right there. Yeah. Keep in mind they were also filming the same time. Yeah. And, you know, all they need is to film him walking out the door, and then they can get Kevin and Danny in the office. Well, to yeah, he's got to go. Yeah, to fill in the blanks. And next thing you know, bottom of it looks like Danny run him off. Right. This is this is where I see it coming. You know, I ain't saying I ain't called it before, but that's probably where this is going to be headed. And, of course, now look at Roley. What does he do? He doesn't say. He was fired two months ago. When did he drop the news? The day of Danny Counts or Danny Coker's opening party or his SEMA party, his after party, yeah, the, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like he's trying to cry like rain on his parade because he yeah. knew that. Well, so that's a little drama coming his way too. You know, and I can't blame the man really. In all honesty, I would have said something the day it happened. Yeah, I mean, I probably would have too. I'd have probably made a huge fuss about it because I mean that's twelve years with somebody and them just do you like that. I mean. 
after 12 years, there would have to be a really good reason to let someone go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Embezzlement. I mean, it would have to be something up there. It would I mean, be something not, good. I mean, it would be really good. Yeah. Speaking of good, this show's been good. This show's been great. And you're going to wait another week before you hear from us again. So That ain't no big deal, guys. we got lots and lots of great calling guests coming up. and we got a great show even lined up for you next week. Check in our Facebook page for all the happening and what's going on, where we're going to be, and all that great stuff. And uh, until next time, uh, Odd Rod and Rob Pitt say goodbye from Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Right here on 106.3 WORD. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.